Will you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I would ask you, if you have a Bible with you, if you would open it to the Gospel of Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. This is a parable that many of you will have heard of before, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And out of this parable, I'd like to talk with you this morning about spiritual pride. Spiritual pride is something that all of us are vulnerable to. All of us look for a way to have dignity in ourselves in the world, to have a sense of worth. And the way that we know to do that most naturally is by comparing ourselves to others. And in the happenstance that we come out on top, (laughs) that leads to pride. Now, I think the ironic thing, and perhaps maybe it's part of the devil's sense of humor, is that even if you are not a believer in some way, you are still vulnerable to spiritual pride. You are still vulnerable to comparing yourselves to others, to yourself to others, and thinking that you come out on top. And this too is a proof that evil is not simply actions that we carry out. Evil is a matter of our heart as well. So this is the nature of spiritual pride. Uh, I want to begin in verse 9, the, the first verse that opens the parable. We're told that Jesus tells this parable, this story, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated others with contempt. So notice that they look inside themselves or at themselves to see how they stand up and how they measure up in the world. And this particular group of people that Jesus is with at this time, they happen to think they're doing pretty well in comparison to others. So they trust in themselves that they're righteous, and this leads them to have a disdain, a contempt for others. So then Jesus leads us into this story. Verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. So we have in this introduction to the parable two groups of people represented Pharisees and tax collectors. If you were interested in learning how to pray, which one of those groups would you most likely go to? Probably the Pharisees. Now, <clears throat> most of us have this understanding when we come to the Bible, just like when we watch movies today, that bad guys and good guys are pretty straightforward, right? And in this particular situation, Pharisees are bad guys, tax collectors are good guys. 
we do have to understand that it's not quite that simple. The Pharisees, uh, their history comes out of a time in the life of God's people in the history of Israel where Israel um, gave themselves over to evil. They gave themselves over to immorality and it made them fragile as a nation and it led to military defeat. It led to what in, in the Bible is called an exile. They are defeated by an outside nation and they are taken away from their land. It's one of the worst things that can happen to a group of people is that you, can be, you are forced to leave your home. Forced. You have no option. So they're forced to leave their home because of sin, because of immorality. Out of that situation arises this group known as the Pharisees. Once the people of Israel are allowed to go back to their land, the Pharisees are the group of people who say, let's not let that happen again. Let's make sure that we listen to God and that we obey His rules. Do you see, the heart of the Pharisees is good. It is to do right and it is to obey God. But remember, spiritual pride roots itself in even the best of things. And this is what happens to many within the Pharisees, is even their good desire gets distorted into a desire to please oneself and to gain an advantage over others. The tax collectors, we know their reputation. They're the opposite of the Pharisees. So the Pharisees want to protect the nation of Israel while the tax collectors in everybody's minds, they have betrayed the nation of Israel. They are collecting taxes from their own people to give to the nation of Rome, their enemies. You see, the people of Israel, as long as there's a foreign power in their land, they believe themselves to still be in exile. And the tax collectors are supporting that exile. So we have two people who come to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And then we're told about their prayers. This is verse 11 of Luke chapter 18. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. What do you notice about the Pharisee's prayer? Maybe it's his posture in praying. He stands as he prays. That's actually not unusual. The, the posture of prayer, the physical posture of prayer for Israelites was to stand. This, this is not a prideful way of praying necessarily. But he stands all by himself. He's seeking to make sure that he doesn't contaminate himself with the presence of others. Also, he manages to pile on the word I five times in two sentences. You can underline them in your Bible if you, you like to do that. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. 
Also, his statement of what he has accomplished, not just what he's not done, but what he has done, these are actually going beyond the law of God. I fast twice a week. Nobody was required to fast twice a week. Again, this is the Pharisees' desire to make sure that the nation does not fall into immorality again. I tithe all that I get. They actually weren't required to, to give a tithe of every single aspect of what they received. It wasn't to that degree in the law. But the Pharisee is making sure. And actually, we shouldn't, we shouldn't come at him for that. He is trying to do good. But he's begun to take pride in what he does. Notice also that the Pharisee asked God for nothing. <laughs> you wonder who he's even praying to in this moment. Is he actually praying to God? <laughs> or is he even just talking to himself? Listen to the prayer of the tax collector. Verse 13. But the tax collector standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So the tax collector stands much like the Pharisee, but he beats his breast as he prays. And his prayer is so short, so simple. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The, the word that is used here for mercy, be merciful to me, it's the wor a word that had to do with the work of the high priest. It's the sacrifice that the high priest offered on the Day of Atonement to cover the sins of the people. The only other time that this word for mercy is used in the New Testament is in the book of Hebrews. It's chapter 2. I'm going to read you this verse from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, and it's applying to the work of Jesus. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make payment for the sins of the people. See, what the tax collector recognizes is that the only way that he can be present before God is if God covers his sin. It's the only way. The only reason that he would have to be able to stand before God is if God is willing to cover over his sin and to make payment for it. And it, this is what's true about you and me, about all of us. There is nothing that allows us to stand before God except for his willingness to cover over our sin and to have mercy on us, to make payment for the things that we've done, for our failures. So Jesus responds to the prayer of the tax collector, I tell you, this man went home to, down to his house justified rather than the other. So this man, this tax collector, 
who has done nothing. Like if the tax collector looks inside himself, like those people who are standing around listening to Jesus' story, those ones who look inside themselves and see, I've got pretty good reason to think well of myself compared to everybody else in the world. The tax collector, if he looks at himself, he has no reason to think well of himself. But Jesus says he is the one who goes down to his house in right relationship with God. He is the one who goes down to his house having been made right with God, not the Pharisee. And so then he closes the parable, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So all of us search for reasons to have dignity in the world and to have worth. But if we look inside ourselves to find that worth, if we look at ourselves to find that worth, we will go from being inflated like a balloon and having pride and looking down on others or deflated. (laughs) I'm not worth anything. The only path that does not lead to this issue of spiritual pride is if we pursue the mercy of Jesus that would pay, that pays for our sin. So whether you're a Christian or or not a Christian, I want to suggest to you, I think Jesus wants to say to you, the only way that you can avoid the affliction and the cancer of pride in your life, the battle of pride, is you, if you place yourself completely at the mercy of Jesus. This is the only way. Also, I want to apply this to the moment in which we live. In the moment in which we live with all these um, political identities that have been made into idols in our world, we live in a breeding ground of pride. Whether you are on the right and you think that people who kill babies are evil, or you're on the left and you think that people on the right have no compassion, you have chosen your own self-made religion. And when you create your own religion, it will only lead you to contempt for those who do differently. And so what are we to do? What is our option in this moment in the world? If you're a Christian, your posture toward others should be like this tax collector. When you go to pray, it should not be a matter of you comparing yourself to others to figure out where you stand. You have nothing except for the mercy of Jesus. And when you interact with people, when they're different than you, you have nothing apart from the mercy of Jesus. And so are you Are you looking down on others? Are you looking into yourself to see how good you are and whether you measure up? Or are you looking 
at the one who offered himself as a sacrifice for your sins? Are you laying your life down before him, asking him to have mercy on you and also to have mercy on the world around you, on those around you, on those around you who desperately need his mercy? Where are you? Are you trusting in the mercy of God that has paid for your sin and he wants to make you right? He wants you to live in right relationship with him. And are you helping others to come into that same right relationship? It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.